All right, welcome to the December 2023 edition of Ring the Bell with the Masters of Marketocracy. Today we have Glenn Brownworth, John Archer, and Gordon Lamb joining myself, Tony Mitchell. And uh, we're going to talk about what's been going on and uh, what our master investors are thinking about here. I'm going to start out by looking back at our last podcast. Uh, uh, the guys that joined us last month, uh, I felt were a little on the the bearish pessimistic side, um, even though we everybody is in our group is generally a good long-term investor and looks for good companies. Uh, but certainly the uh, overall macroeconomic picture affects what we're doing from time to time. Uh, I believe I ended with a comment, <coughs> excuse me, last month about myself being the only optimistic one of the group. So my question is, uh, are you more optimistic in general now that we've had this great run recently? Glenn, why don't we start with you? You weren't the only one. I said we'd hit 4,700 and we hit it on Thursday. Oh, I might have to pull that recording and look at that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you said, where, where are we going to be at the end of the year? And first I said 5,000. So I, I pulled it back a little bit and I said 4,700. We well, just nailed it call. on Thursday. Great call, Glenn. It's <laughs> uh, it's certainly coming through and it's, uh, it's giving everybody uh, uh, a green Christmas, which is even better than white right now. <laughs> Absolutely. I want Benjamin Franklin's hanging hanging all over my Christmas tree. So how do you feel going forward, uh, Glenn? Are we uh, are you op- more um, optimistic or still optimistic? No. Okay, so inflation is 3.1%. Unemployment is down. There's 11 million unfilled jobs and the money supply is coming down. So it's like, where is this recession I keep hearing about? I see plenty of cars on the highway with new, you know, new registration stickers, right? And a lot of you know, whether it's a Honda or a Tesla, people are buying cars. I see people out at the restaurants. I was driving around in New Brunswick last night and it was a mob scene. So everybody's going out to dinner. You know, there's plenty of money, I think. You know, I think people are being careful. But now that they, they're a little bit more comfortable, I think people are spending more. And, you know, it's going to depend on how this Christmas turns out, I think. But I think the next two or three weeks in the new year, there's going to be a sell-off because of taxes and stuff. But I think once February starts to show up, I think we're off to a rocket for a rocket year. You know, I think that's what's going to happen. All right. Rocket year, Glenn. Uh-huh. In my humble opinion. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, John, any thoughts? Uh, uh, how are you feeling? Uh, pessimistic, optimistic, bullish, bearish, neutral? I, I tend to agree with Glenn. I, I think it's uh, uh, 24 is going to be a good year. I, I think rates are going to be coming down. I think the Fed is paused for the time being. And that's a big, you know, interest rates are a big deal. Um, if we can get interest rates down, uh, the mortgage rates will come down, borrowing rates will come down. Uh, and I think that'll fuel the economy a bit. Um, I also Uh, think that the real estate uh, problems that we've been hearing about maybe aren't as bad as they uh, might be going forward. We'll have to see on that. But um, GDP looks pretty good. Uh, Inflation, as Glenn said, is is looking really good. Uh, So I'm looking for, um, you know, for a good 2024. Well, that's uh, good to hear. I, I love the optimism. Um, I've uh, I've actually gotten 
a little more optimistic about 2024 with the, the last Fed meeting and comments that were made. Uh, I was concerned that we were going to pull back a little bit right after the new year. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure right now. I still believe there'll be a little bit of rotation uh, from some of the high flyers uh, for some people selling for tax, taking uh, profits into the next year. Um, holding off this year and uh, trading into the value stocks like we really saw after the Fred meeting. So um, we have three checks for optimism and uh, it sounds good. You know, for the most part, we're all long-term investors that buy good companies, but with the year end approaching, is there anything special that you're doing to wind down the year? Tax Taxes are a big implication for everybody. Um, and, and sometimes there's other things people do. How, how do you look at the end of the year? Glenn, what are your thoughts? Any changes or do you just stay the course? Um, it's always, this is always a dilemma because I know I have some duds and losers in that account and it's like, should I sell them off and take the, take the loss now? Or should I just kind of ride it out and hopefully it comes back and try to put it into something else? You know, I mean, it's, it's always that age-old dilemma, you know, sell your dogs and move on or keep them and see if they come back. You know, some of them, it's like they're down so much, like what's the point at this point? I'd rather just keep adding in and maybe buy something else. But I know sometimes I'm constrained by the old thinking of the old virtual million dollars where I don't want to, you have to take something out to kind of put something back in. But now I think I'd rather just add in some of the other companies that I had, like an Oracle or something like that rather than sell some of the other stuff, which I think the company's, the premise is still good, but, you know, they were just pummeled in the last year and a half. And and the other companies, they just haven't recovered yet. You know? All right. That helps. So, Glenn, <laughs> well, well, Glenn, you, you sound a little bit wishy-washy, but we'll take yeah. that as you're sharing the course. <laughs> John, do you see, do you do anything different at the end of the year here? Are you, you making any changes or just staying the course? Yeah, I, I don't, Tony. I, I stay the course. I think if we're extremely careful about the companies we buy and think long-term when we make those commitments, uh, we can keep going. It doesn't mean that we don't look at our companies, you know, on a quarterly basis or whatever it may be to see if there are any significant changes where we need to adjust. But um I'm pretty happy with the stocks in our in in the model portfolio, and uh, I'm staying the course. Great, great, Gordon. What uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, winding down at the end of the year? Uh, you know, it, I think in the past for me, I've always just kept my stocks and just wait until they come back up. But I think this past year, uh, we went through some rocky times, and a lot of stocks got beaten up. And so what I'm doing this year is basically um, I look for sector plays that have got beaten up. And for example, like um, the cruise lines, right? If um, if there is a Carnival cruise line that I bought and if it's down, I would sell it at the end of the year, take that tax right off and then pick up Royal Caribbean right away on that same day because uh, it's the same sector. They move almost in the same way. And that way I get a, a tax deduction. And that kind of helps me um, long-term as well. That's a, a great, uh, great strategy, Gordon. And and, uh, and, and just to kind of reiterate that for, for some of our listeners, it's it's really about capitalizing on making that, uh, taking that tax loss by 
by selling something that you've lost, but you really want to stay in. So you substitute basically a similar position in the same sector. So you get your tax loss, but you're still in. Obviously, uh, there could be differences in the companies, but you you try to take the uh, pick the company that is closest resembling uh, what you're taking a tax loss from. Right, because I, I do believe I, I don't know for sure about the tax law, but if you were to sell, for example, Carnival Cruise Line today, but buy it right back the following next five minutes, the IRS may not allow you to take that tax deduction. Yeah. Uh, they they view it as some kind of a, of a watch. But if you buy something very similar that's that's trending in the same way, then it it's actually okay. Yeah, and that's absolutely correct. There's a 30-day wash rule that uh, once you uh, sell a position to take that tax loss, you can't reinvest in that position for another 30 days, or let's call it 31, because I think the 30th day is questionable. Um, and, and that means you can't even buy options in it. Um, you just have to be out of it for 30 days to take that tax loss. So great, great point. Um, myself, um, you know, Glenn mentioned uh, the dogs. Uh, there's also the uh, the dogs of the Dow theory about what might be the best performers next year. And I think that we may see some of the biggest dogs this year become some of the best performers next year. So I'm taking a close look at that. I'm reviewing what, uh, what the worst were. Um, I'm not just going to blanket uh, pick them all, but uh, there are some things that really underperformed in 2023 that I think can... Uh, can come around as we continue this rotation into uh, a more broad spectrum of stocks and, and value stocks versus the concentration that we've had in the Magnificent Seven and some tech stocks. So uh, that's what I'm looking at at the end of the year here. Um, with the same thought about being a long-term investor and buying good companies, uh, if we would all name uh, one company that you think would be a good buy now to hold over the next two to three years, if not longer, um, if everybody can give me one, that'd be great. Um, Glenn, do you have uh, one you can throw out at us? NVIDIA. I know it's NVIDIA. expensive, but there's nobody on earth that makes that type of hardware. They all, AMD and Intel have good hardware. But the chip that NVIDIA has is just beyond what everybody else has, and they can't make them fast enough. So I don't know. I think they're going to go to a thousand bucks in the next 24 months, maybe. Expensive is a relative term, too, because I was exactly. listening to some analysts yesterday who, who felt like NVIDIA was less expensive than some of the yeah. competitive chip companies uh, because of the earnings it's going to have and its growth rate. So, yeah. um, Hey, there's a lot of reason to uh, like NVIDIA still. Yeah. Uh, John, do you have one you could give us? Well, I'm going to go back to February uh, of uh, 2023 when I write, when, when you asked the same question and I uh, suggested Google. Uh, it was at 89 at that point, and it was 133, I believe it was, uh, Friday, which is about year-to-date 50% increase. Uh, I think there's still some upside there, um, particularly with respect to their uh, uh, AI. And, uh, you know, they, they, they've recently had a, uh, uh, a court decision against them with respect to uh, uh, monopoly. And whenever, if, if, you can, if you can invest in a company that has monopolistic 
tendencies, I would do that. And uh, Microsoft's, or I'm sorry, uh, Google's got roughly, I think, 80 plus percent of, of the search business. And uh, DeepMind is coming online. They've got some really good AI going on. And I think um, we're going to continue to see upside for Google. John, I like Google a lot myself. Um, I've been hoping it's going to pull back so that I can get it a little bit cheaper. And I don't know if that'll happen. So I've got to make a decision <laughs> about what my entry point is. Uh, but I will tell you, I had an interesting discussion yesterday with a, uh, uh, a young lady in college about AI. And she, I was surprised, but happy to hear that she told me most of her friends prefer using Google's Bard over ChatGPT because it's more accurate. It has over a 90% accuracy where ChatGPT is, is uh, less than 90%. So um, that's, uh, and I think Google has some other things neither of us mentioned like YouTube and YouTube TV. So I very much like Google myself. I think that's an excellent call. Uh, Gordon, do you, do you have one you could give to us? Uh, yes, I do. I, I actually like AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. Um, I think um, they're, they're sort of neck and neck with NVIDIA. They're trying to play catch up, and I think they have a lot of room to grow. They've recently uh, developed chips that coincide with AI, and I think their GPU processors are growing as well. The capabilities, um, you know, AMD has always been uh, second, right? And they've always played catch up. And recently, in the last few years, they caught up with Intel, and I think they're going after Nvidia's market right now. Um, I think it's got a lot of room to grow. Probably um, in terms of growth rate, probably faster than in, in Nvidia, uh, just because of um, Nvidia is so big. Um, I think uh, advanced micro devices, when they start to grow, I think they can really move the meter. Gordon, I love AMD. I've been on AMD since it was in the twos and wrote it up. Um, it is one of the largest positions in my model portfolio. So I, I think it's an excellent call. It's had a big run recently, but I also think that it's got more room to run. So uh, thank you for that one, Gordon. And, and I, I will give you gentlemen mine. Um, and for our listeners, I was uh, I was at a luncheon the other day, standing in the buffet line, and somebody said, "Tony, what's your pick for next year?" And, uh, this is, <laughs> Come on, this is uh, this is a true story. And and when that person <laughs> asked me, head spun, I felt like I was E.F. Hutton when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. And and, and was this like, was my pick that I gave, Mattel. And there seemed to be a hush over the audience. And he said, "Toys?" I said, "It's not just about the toys, but I'll tell you why I like Mattel." Mattel's in the movie business now, too. They just had one of the best hits this year in Barbie, and they're producing more movies, and they have a lot of toys to base us around. We know how popular Toy Story uh, movies were, but think about Mattel. They are the toys, so they're creating these movies. There's going to be a Hot Wheel movie coming out, and there's some other movies coming out as well. Um, but it's not only the movies and the toys. Mattel is opening at least one amusement park. I'm not sure how many more are planned. But in 2024, they're opening an amusement park in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I think that's an excellent location for it. And I think there'll be a lot of excitement around this, uh, this company in 2024. Um, I don't know that it can double next year, but uh, trading uh, Friday, I believe it closed in the low 19s. It was actually in the 18s, the day that I gave uh, my call here to, 
in the buffet line of the of lunch and um uh, but I, I certainly think it'll be uh, above 25 next year, uh, maybe even close to 30. And that's uh, right there going to be like a, a 30 to 50% uh, return or actually 30 to, uh, yeah, 30 to 50% return. Uh, so those are the kind of returns I can be very happy with. And uh, I think it's going to be a great one. Yeah. Okay. Um, again, understanding that we're all in this for the long term. How are you looking at 2024? And is there anything different that you'll do in 2024? I know this is kind of similar to, we talked about winding down the year. We kind of touched on this, but um, let's just review 2024. And we, we've got some great picks here for, for our listeners for 2024. Is there anything different you're doing as you just think about the whole financial picture? Glenn, I see the smoke coming. <laughs> My gears are turning. Um, you know, like you said, we're, we're long-term investors. So the idea of staying the course, as long as the company is healthy and, you know, they're, the CEO hasn't been indicted for something or the government isn't coming down on them and they're as close to a monopoly as you can get. I think you kind of stay the course with a lot of these companies and you could put your money in Europe or put your money in Asia, but when you get down to it, it's just the United States has a pretty strong engine that we're running on not wood and even after what we went through in three years you know these companies we're reshoring everything in the united states we're reindustrializing. industrializing are cranes everywhere that means that in the next seven to nine ten years we're going to have an economic boom you know and i think just buying the companies who make the picks and shovels i think you'll you'll be okay i don't even think you have to change that much i mean you can adjust like you're you know, to the Dow, the uh, dogs of the Dow, because some companies have just underperformed this year, and maybe it's time for them to actually get some notice. So that might be something to screen for. You know, the guys who have been left behind this year, they might be something to look into, and maybe just add on to the companies that have done well this year. Yeah. All right, and you just played on my theory of the uh, Dow's of the dog, the Dow, dogs of the Dow. Thank you. Um, John, any other thoughts about 2024? I think, Tony, for the most part, I'm going to stay the course. But, um, you know, as interest rates go down and the economy gets better, people will generally take on a little bit more risk in an environment like that. And probably in 24, I'll be looking at uh, a couple of companies that um, are very small positions in my model portfolio. I've got maybe 1% of assets in them. Uh, and I think if I um, if, if, if things really get good, I'll be looking at perhaps increasing my position in a company called Vertex uh, Pharmaceuticals and, and another company called Guidewire, uh, which provides uh, software to big uh, insurance companies. Uh, those are two companies that are kind of on my radar that you know, if things begin to get really uh, strong in the economy and in the market. Uh, those are a couple of companies that I might, um, you know, increase positions on. Sounds good. Thank you, John. I'm just going to add that uh, I am, I've talked about being optimistic. I'm still optimistic. I love the enthusiasm and I, I hope we have an economic boom like Glenn was speaking to. I think it's possible. But I want to put a little caution out there for a change and, and say that there's still a lot of crazy things going on in the world. 
Um, we still have two wars going on. Um, and who knows what, where those are going to take us into 2024. So as we uh, appear to start being booming and, and see these rallies, um, I'm also going to try to take a little bit of profits, uh, uh, keep reinvesting in value. And that doesn't value can be some 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 tech stocks like uh, Glenn was talking about NVIDIA. And uh, NVIDIA can still be a value stock. So I'm not just saying uh, cheap value, but uh, the value within the company for the long term. Um, and so I'm going to be watching this stuff uh, very closely, uh, still concerned about the wars. Um, we have an election coming up next year uh, that could uh, be great or bad for us. We've got to monitor that. So I think it's uh, 2024 is going to be a year that we have to watch very closely. Um, hopefully it will be great, but we have to be careful. Last question of the day. Any final financial thoughts to help our listeners moving forward? I think we already gave some great stuff with, with Gordon's comments about the um, the tax harvesting here at the end of the year. Um, we gave uh, we talked about value stocks. We talked about some great picks, but any last comments? And, and, and Gordon, I'll, I'll start with you. I skipped over you for your last question about 2024, but it all kind of ties together. So uh, I, I see you're ready to give us uh, jump in and give us some thoughts. Uh, so if you would give us uh, whatever you're thinking there. Well, I, I, I think for 2024, I, I sort of agree with Glenn that we're going to start to pivot and, and somewhat take off. When I look at the S&P 500, um, we're not only at our, our high, we're actually passing our high. We're going into new highs. That's a new territory there. And um, with the Fed stepping in, starting to tamper down with rates and possibly lowering rates, that's that lever that we've been waiting for. And um, I, I think 2024 is going to be a good year. Um, I recently bought a lot of high-yielding dividend stocks uh, that were above the, the bond rates, like above 5%. And I think as they lower rates, um, those dividend stocks will tend to appreciate more uh, just for people looking for a more competitive rate. Um, yeah, I, I think the tech sector, e even though the wars are still going on, I feel that, you know, it's it's been baked into the market already. And um, sure, it, it could get worse, but I, I think that that big one with Israel um, really affected us, but it, it seems like things are tapering off. But of course, we really don't know uh, what's going to happen again in the future. We could have a black swan that comes in. Um, but overall, from what I see uh, from past history, we are going into an election year. And typically, those years are usually really good for the stock market because um, they tend to lower gas prices, which we're seeing right now and they have a lot of good news that's out, and that really um, creates confidence in the market. Vladimir Putin went to Saudi Arabia because he's afraid that they're going to try to lower the oil prices to compete with American oil and drive the shale producers out. But if they do that, they're going to basically put Russia out of business. And the day after, the United States announced that we just hit the record number of oil barrels, 13.9 million barrels in one day. We're the largest oil producer in the world. 
So right now, Russia and 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 Saudi Arabia, they can't push us around anymore. And the, and the United States announced that number the other day as a basically a big like you know middle finger, like you can do what you want, but you can't really do that much to us. Not like 1974, mm. you know. So the the idea that we can actually have lower gas prices this coming year, and the idea that we might actually have the Fed drop interest rates, it's it sound it sounds unbelievable, but I think it's it's you know I'll cross my fingers. You know, it it uh, and, and again, I, I thank you, Gordon, for all that great uh, information. And 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 Glenn, yes, I think uh, uh, it it could be great. Uh, and hey, if we get a resolution of the war, uh, it could be like uh, you know the fifties, and uh, it could be uh, spectacular. Um, mm-hmm. But we always have to have a little caution in the wind that it could some things could turn the other way too. So um, and, and it wouldn't be responsible not to. Uh, to warn our listeners of uh, of those possibilities at the same time, John, what are, what are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we've talked, uh, Tony, about being long term investors and buying good companies. What w- what does that mean? I think, you know, uh, for those uh, investors out there that are looking at companies to invest in, uh, I've got a couple of thoughts. Um, look for companies that have net cash positions on the balance sheet. That means they've got more cash and marketable securities than they have debt on their balance sheet. So you want to look at companies that have low debt or no debt. Look at companies that have significant free cash flow. That means they got a lot of cash coming into the business, low capital expenditure. Look for those companies that have high profit margins. And then secondly, don't overlook valuation. Uh, we're talking about companies and buying in the market and so on. Um, but, you know, good investors need to look at uh, how companies are valued and what 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 they're worth uh, and what they're what they're trading at, what their stock price is, is not what their value is, uh, underlying value, that is. So ju- don't just look at P.E., which can be misleading. Uh, and we can get this in, maybe talk about it at another, you know, in another uh, uh, get together. But um, a discounted cash flow analysis is a is a really a truer measure of value. And in order to understand what you're buying and for how much, um, you know, you can't overlook that. John, that's some excellent advice. And, and I'm going to add on to it because you just reminded me of. Uh, another uh, dinner I was at this week, and a gentleman uh, asked me uh, uh, some opinions of the couple of things in the market. First asked me about REITs, and I said, yeah, I'm in some REITs, and then he asked me about a specific one. I won't mention uh, what it was, but uh, he asked about a specific one and what I thought about it, and I didn't happen to know this one, and I said, well, I'd have to look at it. I don't know it. I said, "What, what type of real estate are they investing in? Because obviously real estate REITs are all real estate investment trusts, and uh, he didn't know. And uh, so my addition to what you're saying, John, is number one, know what you own. And and we've probably all done this at some point or time, uh, but I think it's just a good reminder to make sure that you understand what you own and what the company does. Because as you said, John, we are investing in good companies. So if you don't even know what they do or what they own, um, you really don't know if they're a good company or not. <laughs> so that's number one. And number two is in the same conversation, he said, 
yeah, but they're paying a great dividend. And I think it was 11% dividend. I said, that's good, but you can't, there's a all wise investment professionals will tell you don't invest just because of the dividend, because while we invest for either growth or income, yes, we do look for dividends at certain times, but too good of a dividend can be too good of a thing. And it could be a red flag that there's something wrong in the company. And they might be getting close to a point where that dividend is going to get cut, which if the dividend gets cut, usually that means not only is the dividend going down, but the stock price is going to go down as well. So um, some some great, uh, great advice, I think uh, we just shared with uh, our listeners for, for next year and forward. And I'll remind everybody that uh, uh, copies of uh, and links to our podcasts and newsletters and, and uh, videos when we get some out there are on our site, marketocracy.io. Um, and if you want to uh, check out some of our records, we've had some great performance this year. You can find that at marketocracymasters.com, where you can also invest behind a master in their model portfolio. But for education and information, marketocracy.io. Uh, we'll soon be launching uh, a competitive um, virtual portfolio challenge. Uh, more to come on that, but that'll be at marketocracy.io. Um, and again, you can learn more about all of our master investors at marketocracymasters.com. And I thank everybody who's taken the time to uh, join us in or listen today. Um, and I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season.